0: Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. History Makers In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were
1: just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. History Makers Since the Roman Legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 A.D., the Jewish people have a nation of their own. And he said, well, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that that's really
0: why you're here. Christ died for us. History, History Makers. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Dr. Baruch Corman from loveisrael.org. And we're going to hear a bit of his story today. Welcome to the program. Tell us a bit about uh, whereabouts you were born and raised.
1: Well, it's great to be with you on this show. I was born in the Chicago area and grew up on the uh, near north side of Chicago in a Jewish community that's still today, although it's mixed, it still has a sizable Jewish uh, population there on Devon Street.
0: Now, tell us a bit of your faith journey. Uh, Were you raised with a very strong religious family? What, What was your background?
1: Well, when we did anything religiously, it was with Orthodox Judaism growing up. And then we moved out of the Chicago area to central Illinois. My father was transferred and I was about at that time, 13, just after the bar mitzvah. And my family kind of moved away from anything religious. And my parents are still pretty much, and my brother is still pretty much in that area. But I went on to college and it was while I was in college that I was uh, confronted, I guess would be the best, best word confronted with uh, individuals who were strong believers and they shared the gospel, and they challenged me to read the Bible, which I had never done before.
0: And so tell us a bit about your uh, your transformation. What happened next?
1: Well, uh, as I said, I, I decided to buy a Bible, and the Bible I bought was just the, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible. Uh, it had actually Hebrew on one side, English on the other, the Old Testament. And I began reading in Genesis and just began to uh, go through all the what uh, the Church calls the Old Testament, and was going to a meeting that was held in the dorm that uh, I was living in, and was hearing things about uh, Yeshua, about Jesus, hearing about the Gospel, not really understanding it, why it was important, why it was relevant for uh, for me. But over about the next three months, as I was hearing more and reading more, I I came to the conclusion that this one that uh, the world calls Jesus— um, he was indeed Israel's Messiah, especially when I got into the to prophecy, and I, I came to faith, and I had no problem acknowledging that I was a sinner, and came to understand what his death was about—the uh, fact that he died on Passover, that he's our korban Passover, uh, our uh, Passover sacrifice, as Paul says in First Corinthians chapter five. And it just made a great impression upon me, and that's what led me to uh, accept
0: him. And so tell us a bit about the transformation that took place in your life after that.
1: Well, um, it was in 1982. Um, Immediately, God gave me a a strong desire for his word. I began to study, uh, was discipled by a friend in college, and just a passion for the word, wanting to learn more of it. And what I learned, I I wanted to share it with other people, and that's really been the basis for of my life since that time, um, was studying. I went on to seminary and did some graduate work after seminary, and um, was living at that time in Miami Beach uh, after high school and college. My, I got married uh, to a, a young Jewish woman, and she had come from a a believing background. She came to faith because of of her mother when she was quite young. And we moved to Miami Beach and I got involved in the Jewish community there, not the believing Jewish community, although we were, we were there to start a Messianic congregation. But, but because of our connection with the Jewish community, I was asked to be part of a Minion, which maybe some of your listeners don't know that that's kind of a, a Jewish prayer group for the, the services three times a day, every day and was learning with them. And got involved actually in a what's called a smicha, which is an ordination program for uh, uh, rabbinical studies, and completed that, um, and um, have been reaching out to the Jewish community all my life with the message of uh, the good news of the gospel.
0: Well, it's inspirational to hear your story, and I'd love to know a bit about your current ministry. I know that you're a senior lecturer at the Zira Avraham Institute based in Israel. Did I say that right?
1: You said it very good, yes.
0: (laughs) Tell us a bit about uh, what's what's your main focus there.
1: Our, our main focus is, of course, discipleship, although we have people who come who are not yet believers, and we're we're grateful for them because we have an opportunity to, to show them our faith, uh, other people come who are believers. We meet right now just once a week on Saturday night, so after the Shabbat is over, one hour after Shabbat's over, people gather and um we conclude the Shabbat with the Havdalah service which makes a distinction between the the Sabbath day and the six days of labor which is done in every Jewish family who's moderately uh, observant uh, we we do that on Saturday night and we study the upcoming weekly parsha i have an assistant that uh, teaches that and then i right now we're going through the book of isaiah and i give an hour lecture uh every saturday night everything's done in hebrew for uh israelis and then in addition to that we have a weekly television program that airs in many many places throughout the throughout the, the world and it's international here in australia it's uh broadcast on three different networks and in israel it's in hebrew and it's broadcast into about uh 98% of the jewish homes in israel can get it if they have a television it's on so we want to reach out, and we're going through the book of Matthew on the weekly uh, television show in, in, in Hebrew.
0: Now, I know that uh, you're traveling around speaking at different events. What are some of the main topics that you like to tackle when, you, when you're invited to be a guest speaker somewhere?
1: Well, uh, most of the time I'm invited to share uh, from a, a biblical text for a book. Most of our studies are book studies, but um, just completed when being here in Australia – We're dealing with spiritual warfare is one of the things that we're going to be speaking up in Sydney about. So that's uh, the main topic for a good portion of our time here in Australia. We're also uh, going to be dealing with the weekly, each week in the synagogue, there's a Torah portion, and then there's what's called the Haftorah, which is the reading from the prophets. And we're going to be dealing with a very important word, uh, and that is a word, as you know, that that Yeshua, when he began his ministry, it says in Matthew 4, that he left Nazareth and went to Capernaum. And that term, Kafar we say Capernaum in English, but it's Kafar which is village, and Nahum, which is a very unique biblical word for comfort. So um between the day that commemorates the destruction of both the first and the second temples, and Rosh Hashanah, there's seven weeks, and each week when we read in that prophetic passage, we deal with that word, Nahamo uh, uh, is the first one, for providing comfort that leads to a right relationship with God. So we'll be studying that, that important concept of comfort.
0: Well, you know, I visited Israel twice uh, a number of years back and went with a group of pastors and a group from my church uh, over a couple of different trips. And it was so eye-opening to see the land of Israel. And, you know, to be honest, I'd never really connected with any Jews in my life you know growing up in a country town in in australia and uh you know never really connected like i heard about jewish people and you know knew that some lived in bondi and sydney and you knew that there were plenty in new york and in Amer- around america but had never really con- so i actually got to go to a jewish man's house and he invited us in for a shabbat dinner and he sung Proverbs thirty one over his wife, and uh, shared with us how he eats kosher, and you know, just explained all of the the uh, the, the lifestyle choices he's he's made to, to honor God in in his life. You know, and it was fascinating for me to to see that. So I'm curious to know for you as a as a Christian and as a Jew, tell us a bit about uh do, do you honor the Sabbath? Do you eat kosher do you Do you follow all of those things that are uh, very important to the the jewish believer uh we
1: We do for a variety of reasons um, here in Melbourne where i 'm talking to you right now we 're saying actually in a kosher hotel we we chose this for a variety of reasons. one is that it's walking distance where we're going to be speaking on Shabbat. So, uh, yes, I like to uh, apply the, the commandments to our life. We do it, as Paul says in, in Romans chapter 7, verse 6, uh, not necessarily the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. And I think it's very important because it gives a testimony to our emphasis is to the Jew first. And so we want to be a good witness, and we want people to know that we take the Word of God seriously and therefore in doing that we take seriously the commandments and oftentimes the first question that uh when a a fellow Jew finds out I'm a believer the first thing they want to say is do you keep the the dietary laws kosher do you honor shabbat and they'll ask these questions and if as many Jewish believers who don't follow these they say see you're not serious about God and and it's kind of a way for them to to kind of push away from what is a weightier thing and that is the gospel message so i have found because i can say in an affirmative way yes these things are important i apply them to my life i do so as they do within the framework of jewish law uh rabbinical jewish law and because of that they're much more likely to hear uh my testimony of why i've accepted yeshua why is that uh uh, correct biblically And what we try to do throughout all of our our work is the primary thing is to get people in the Word of God looking at it, reading it, studying it, thinking about it. Because we we know that when someone is is looking at God's Word, that's an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come and begin to speak to them and touch their heart. And so we want to get people uh, reading the Word of God.
0: Mm, well, it's so good to hear uh, about your ministry and your heart for the Jewish people. I pray for Israel every day. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as the Word of God tells us. And uh, I, I'm hearing that there is uh, a number of uh, Jews that are becoming Christians now uh, around the world. Are, are you Are you finding that there's an awakening among the Jewish people about Jesus as the Messiah?
1: I, I, I would say yes, especially among some of the younger. Uh, I'm I'm 55, and what I'll tell you is that there's many people like myself of a Jewish background that have immigrated to Israel with the purpose of doing ministry there. And what and when I talk to some of my counterparts, we have the same same uh, testimony. We weren't all that successful uh, in in reaching people, but our children, that next generation, those that you know grew up in Israel. They, Hebrew has become their first language. They served in the military. And when, when someone will say to me, Oh, well, you know, uh, uh, you're a believer, uh, and they'll kind of like put that aside. But, um, then you'll say, Well, you're no longer Jewish because you've accepted Messiah. But with the younger generation, they have such a strong Israeli identity. And they said, What do you mean? I'm not Jewish because I believe in, in Yeshua. I speak Hebrew. I've served in the military. I'm an Israeli citizen. And they can't just, you know, discount, uh, um, they, they acknowledge that, yes, they are Israelis and they're having a tremendous impact in reaching, reaching people of all ages in Israel. They're, they're on fire. They're bold about their faith. They are not apologetic. They make no excuse about it. And, uh, this, this younger generation in their early 20s, uh, late 20s, are really having an impact and bringing people to uh, salvation in Israel.
0: And I know that when you look at the Gospels, uh, you can see that the disciples were expecting a Messiah that would be a political Messiah that would take over Rome in the natural, but really Jesus was a spiritual Messiah and was bringing a spiritual kingdom do you find that there's a lot of confusion about the term Messiah uh, in Jewish people today? Um,
1: I, I do. I'll, I'll, I agree with you. I think many of of um, the Israelites going back 2,000 years ago, they did look for it. And, and Messiah, when he returns, is going to be political. He's going to be a king. He's going to rule. Mm. Um, so so that's true. And the kingdom's just not spiritual. There's a, a physical aspect to that kingdom yeah. as well. yep so so they they had it half right, but they weren't <laughs> emphasizing the spiritual dimension they didn't deal with sin in fact, uh constantly, one of the things that we we struggle with in sharing is the importance of of purity of holiness of of sanctification, and in many ways in Judaism there's not that emphasis on being spiritually right. And, and one of the reasons for that is when you come from a Jewish background, what what you're told earlier, early on is, which means to every Jewish individual, there's a portion in the age to come, which is a, a kingdom term, the age to come. So they believe, well, I have a portion, I have a place in the kingdom I don't have to worry about, you know, my spiritual condition, I'll be there. So this sense of lostness is really missing within within the Jewish community, mm-hmm. and that's something that uh, the prophecy is very clear in general. Uh, the prophets speak about being lost. Um, the passage that we're going to be dealing with uh, this, this coming Shabbat is about uh, um, the Messiah calling the people back to repentance, and that's a a big, big word an important word throughout both the Old and New Testament, mm. but we don't hear it in a practical sense as we should in the Jewish community. And you know, the the main word, uh, Mashiach, meaning anointed one, it's first and foremost applied in Judaism. We speak about Malach Mashiach, King Messiah. So there is still that political, and when he comes back, he's coming back as you know, and teach as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So there is strongly that. That kingdom that's coming and the enemy, which is going to be an empire, a political empire, that the Antichrist is going to establish and rule over. So he is coming with some major political implications.
0: Mm. It's exciting times we live in, and it's wonderful to hear that there are great Bible teachers like yourself uh, sharing on, uh, you know, Christian TV like Daystar and other channels. And great to hear about uh, your traveling around the world, sharing the good news. If people want to find out more, the website is loveisrael.org. And we've been talking to Dr. Baruch Corman. I reckon you're a history maker. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate
0: uh, the opportunity. Shalom. Shalom. bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media.
1: To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.